0: What's going on, guys? It's Danny from Fancy Stock Exchange here, and today I'll be going to the final day of Superlatives Week, bringing you my top five biggest busts of the twenty twenty two Fantasy Football season. Basically, guys, going in the early to mid rounds that could send you into last place and force you into a brutal league punishment. So, do you guys want to avoid becoming the donkey in your league that you know has to take an SAT with no study time allowed? Make sure you like down below, comment your favorite part of the superlatives week we have put on, and subscribe to the channel. We are currently on the road to 15,000 subscribers, so if we can get there by the time week one rolls around, we will appreciate it a ton. But before we get into my five biggest busts of the season, as always, let's hit that damn intro. Okay, so before I go into the five biggest busts I have going into the season, I just want to give you guys a strategy portion of the video where I'm breaking down exactly why I'm fading these players or the archetype of player that they represent. But the theme of this video, as you'll soon see, highlights the strategy of avoiding the running back den zone in conjunction with taking calculated dart throws at the top of your drafts based on players' projectable ceiling rather than their median range of outcome. And I'll share the data that supports both of these points in spades, but a recent graph shared by a good friend over at the channel with Ron Stewart highlights that for a running back to have a league-winning caliber 20-plus point-per-game season, they typically come from rounds one and two. Prior to the round three to eight dead zone, where only two running backs since 2015 have eclipsed the 20-plus point-per-game mark, you're capitalizing on it with an abundance of wide receiver talent in this exact range where we do see in this range between rounds three to seven, the wide receiver position has nearly a five times more likely rate of hitting than the running back position does. So If your strategy is to, you know, start wide receiver, wide receiver and take two, three dead zone running backs because of potential value that that is going to tell you that that is a false plan because a lot of those guys going in the dead zone for the most part are propped up on projectable volume, given their situation. So you're much better off just taking elite stud talent at the wide receiver position. The rate of 20 plus point per game scores at the wide receiver versus running back position is night and day past round two. And you guys can see in those rounds, three to seven area, wide receivers are much more likely to emerge about a five times more likely rate to emerge as a 20 plus point per game scorer than the running back position is and that's mainly due to the fact that the running backs going in the dead zone year over year for the most part are propped up there based off you know projectable volume and team situation rather than the talent of the players themselves otherwise they would be going in the first two rounds so capitalizing on that and taking elite wide receiver talent while your league mates are trying to scrap together this year's mike davis you're going to be way ahead of the eight ball comparatively to your league so you're going to see this you're going to see this graph and say well if running back talent falls off a cliff after round two Why can't we just smash two running backs with our first two picks? And you absolutely can. You can start off with a double hero or uh, a double anchor running back build and be perfectly fine, but you just have to make sure If you are taking a running back at the top of your drafts, they need that projectable ceiling. Like I said, in the intro, well, Pat Crane's article on legendary upside talks about this in spades that we shouldn't just take a running back to build out our running back core, which a lot of people fall victim to. We need that legendary bull case. We need that, you know, season named after them type of upside at the running back position. Cause as these graphs will show receivers bust less and actually win leagues at a higher rate than the running back position, according to the data collected from Pat Crane. People may be asking, well, if we're facing this, what is the point of taking a running back at all, given their situational volatility, given their injury risk, in comparison with the wide receiver position? We still want access to those specific running back ceilings each season, where... We want a 2019 Christian McCaffrey. We want a 2017 Todd Gurley. We want that type of player because if they do hit, they not only can get you to the playoffs or get you to the second seed in your team in your league, they can downright win a season on their own. Christian McCaffrey in his 2019 season had a 37% best ball win rate. For comparison, I mentioned if there's 12 people in your league, Your inherent best ball win rate should be about 8.3%. Christian McCaffrey was giving you over four times the chance of winning your league just by having him in your lineup. So So that type of advantage, that type of ceiling is crucial to downright take control of a season. That's why we take running backs at the top of the draft, not for their safety or again, as I mentioned, to fill the position. We're treating this as a situation where it's the bottom of the ninth, tie game, two down, we are up to bat. We want to swing for the motherfucking fences. We are not swinging for singles. We're not swinging for 15, 16, 17 point per game scores at the running back position. We need that elite legendary ceiling if we're taking them early. And we do see that the win rates of these guys, basically guys that have a 20 plus percent win rate, you'll hear us on the channel mention, you know, a specific archetype of running back. We are fading versus an archetype we are targeting. And as I kind of said, we're mostly just referring to their path to paying off. And for us, we want an elite running back ceiling, like I said, in the range of outcomes. If they don't have that elite ceiling where they can be a 20 plus percent win rate player, I don't want to take them at the top of my drafts. But getting back to the basis of the video, these are the five players I find the public are more so taking from a filler standpoint rather than, like I said, a swing for the ceiling standpoint in their drafts. All of them fail to have that elite ceiling in their range of outcomes from my perspective and have a much favorable option at the wide receiver position in particular at their ranges of the draft. But let's start off with the number five on the list, and that's going to be running back from the Philadelphia Eagles, Miles Sanders, currently going off the board as the RB 32, 87th overall player. He's actually my RB 39, 112th overall player. And with Miles Sanders, he's a very similar case to what we've said about Clyde Edwards Hilaire in the past, where where we have questions about the overall talent level, as well as his participation in high leverage fantasy scoring situations for the Philadelphia Eagles offense and with Miles Sanders he's a player that you know maybe people in the past have saw high in their drafts and think oh well he's an RBF value due to the suppressed ADP from those past years when well, my counter to that is quite simple there is a reason why his ADP has fallen off a cliff Recent report from Psy.com's John McMullen believes that Kenneth Gainwell is actually penciled in for these high leverage situations like third downs, hurry up offense, and goal line work for the Philadelphia Eagles. And this is not much of a surprise for a guy like me where we saw last season. Sanders forfeited a lot of those high leverage touch situations where specifically in the receiving game in the goal line, Philly used a committee just last year. There is nothing to indicate this off season that anything is going to be going otherwise this year. On top of these usage issues, Sanders has been hobbled by a hamstring issue all off season with what was already a volatile handle on his job status with the emergence of Kenneth Gainwell behind him. So with this situation... It is very comparable to last year, if not even worse, given the development of Kenny Gainwell this offseason. And yet Sanders still goes in those top 100 picks. He hasn't eclipsed over 15 plus points per game in each of the last two years. He faces a contentious backfield behind him and now is set to lose those high-value touches You'd be hard-pressed to find a top 15 running back ceiling, never mind a league-winning ceiling for Miles Sanders. He is the epitome of, I missed out on running back early. I need to fill my running back lineup. Don't fall into the trap. You can always go to the waiver wire. You can always go to rounds 10, 11, 12-plus to fill your running back spot. Don't waste a top 100 pick on Miles Sanders when guys like Elijah Moore are potentially falling in this range where Sanders goes. So don't be the clown that takes Miles Sanders. Also, don't be the clown in your league that takes Damian Harris running back from the New England Patriots going off the board as the RB 28, 79th overall player on ADP. He's my RB 40, 117th overall player. So even after where I have Miles Sanders, but basically with Damian Harris, it's a very similar case to what I have with Miles Sanders. Only the thing is, I genuinely believe the threat of Ramondre Stevenson to be much greater than even that of Kenneth Gainwell. And for Damon Harris, this is a guy last year who had 14 PPR points per game and an RB 18 point per game finish, despite punching in 15 rushing touchdowns, 15 rushing touchdowns, and he's not able to eclipse the top 15 running backs in points per game. He is just the epitome of, while well, he was finishing top 20 last year. He's not ranked top 20 this year. So therefore I'm going to take him. Wrong, because we have seen this offseason that this could potentially be a Leonard Fournette, Ronald Jones debate of last season between Harris and Ramondre. And as I kind of went through with my breakouts video, one has a profile to become a three down running back due to the potential pass game utilization we could see. And the other's path of paying off is solely based on the back of punching in a ton of touchdowns like they did just last year with Damon Harris. With Harris, his upside is capped. To what he did last year, which barely even breaks even with the top 80 ADP he currently has, especially when we're considering, again, comparable wide receiver talent in this range, comparable potential league winners to emerge from the wide receiver position in the range that Damien Harris goes on top of the range of outcome comparison between Damien Harris and Ramondre favoring Ramondre we also have a number of reports this offseason indicating that Ramondre has locked up the third down role in New England and that he could potentially usurp Harris and the pecking order for Bill Belichick and you guys can see that on the screen but he said it wouldn't be a shock if Ramondre leaps Damon Harris for the Patriots early down work with Damon Harris if you are not getting full access to that early down work you're not getting full autonomy on the goal line we already know he's not getting receiving work So how is he supposed to not only pay off at his ADP, but potentially provide upside at his ADP? There is a very small range of outcomes where Damon Harris can be a top 15 overall running back in fantasy. And if you're taking that range of outcomes in the top 80 of your drafts, you're heavily mistaken. If you guys want to watch the breakouts video where I highlighted why I'm such a believer in Ramondre, why I think he's got the potential to be a top 15 running back, make sure you do so after the video. But off of Damian Harris, a clear-cut dead zone running back. We get into the running back for my team. You guys can see the Dallas Cowboys jerseys hanging behind me. But we're going to move on to Ezekiel Elliott, running back from the Dallas Cowboys. Going off the board as the RB-16 34th overall player. He is currently my RB19, 61st overall player. And the common narrative that we see around Ezekiel Elliott is that while he was the RB7 last year and now he goes at the running back 16, what a discount. We need to take the discount. Yet people who say that fail to realize that back-to-back seasons for Ezekiel Elliott He's been outside of the top 10 running backs in terms of PPR points per game, including the RB16 just last year. Zeke is the prototype I alluded to in the intro that we need to be avoiding where he's a floor play running back at a third round price tag that you're basically paying for the most replaceable production, RB2 production in fantasy football. In the area that you're getting Zeke, you should be attacking those elite wide receivers and onesie upsides from a structural standpoint. Guys like Michael Pittman, Keenan Allen, Kyle Pitts, Darren Waller, other stud pass-catching options in this range. And then we can even get to the quarterbacks with Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, Kyla Murray. In this range where you're going with Ezekiel Elliott, you're taking Ezekiel Elliott because of the value, because he could fill your running back slot. Well, that is just wrong. A lot of indication from these Zeke supporters are that they believe he's set for this huge workload. Even though Zeke has seen his goal line exposure and overall opportunity share go way down, from the last time he paid off in fantasy football, 2019, to now, we, we have seen the last two years that Ezekiel Elliott's workload has fallen off a cliff. We saw in 2019, Ezekiel Elliott handled 61 of the Cowboys' 79 red zone rushes, compared to only 39 of the 81 they handled just last year. Not to mention, in terms of the opportunity share, Ezekiel Elliott was an 84.3% snap share and 77.5% opportunity share back in 2019, both ranking at number five in the NFL. We saw last year his snap share dropped to a 65.9% figure and a 57.7% opportunity share, which ranked 10th and 20th respectively at the running back position. Combining this with overall concerns on his accumulated workload over his career and how far up he is on the running back touch and age apex we have covered all offseason, I think Zeke is just a ticking time bomb. And if you have this type of player on your team, just gives you incredible anxiety on a week-to-week basis knowing that Ezekiel is not going to give you top five overall numbers at the running back position. And you don't know exactly when the wheels are going to fall off here. The peripherals of Ezekiel Elliott are super nice, but attaching a whole 2022 fantasy season to a 27-year-old running back has nearly doubled the touch apex that we are looking for at the running back position is way too much of a headache for me in a back that still doesn't command that elite opportunity share that we had seen from Ezekiel Elliott in the past. So if you want to play him in DFS, that's fine. If you want to, you know, start him on a slate because they got a good matchup and you want to attach to a good offense on a DFS slate, that is fine. But taking Ezekiel Elliott for a full 17-game season with the risk of him wearing down, with the risk of him depreciating as a player yet again, way too much risk here involved with Ezekiel Elliott. Take your T Higgins. Take your Michael Pittman. Take your Keenan Allen. Do not take your Ezekiel Elliott in your drafts. Also, don't be taking Nick Chubb running back from the Cleveland Browns, going off the board as the RB12, 22nd overall player, where I have him ranked as the RB17, 47th overall player. And with Nick Chubb, We've heard a lot of the narrative surrounding him is that, you know, he's a safe running back and he can't kill your team. But yet, even if he was a safe running back, which he's not, that doesn't move the needle for your fantasy football team. He's a running back that has never gotten over a 60% opportunity share or commanded over 25 targets since his breakout 2019 campaign as a second year running back prior to the Browns bringing in Kareem Hunt. His path to payoff has simply been on the back of elite efficiency and touchdown access like we've seen uh, when he has paid off. The rationale for Chubb has always been, well, he's a back and running back one with RB1 overall upside if Hunt ever misses time. But we literally saw that case materialize last year where the Browns simply just turned to the next man up to handle the tandem work with Chubb with Ernest Johnson getting some playing time for them. His payoff season back in 2020 was on the back of scoring a touchdown per game which also coincided with the best Browns offense we have seen during his career. But with the suspension of Deshaun Watson for the first 11 games of this year, how much goal line exposure and subsequent touchdown opportunity do we realistically see for Nick Chubb with an offense that should be below average handing the reins to Jacoby Brissett? With Chubb, he's never posted over 18 PPR points per game, despite his standing as, you know, a top three undisputed talent at the running back position. And he's coming off a season of 15.4 points per game, Yet, again, he goes in round three around wide receivers with an elite projection. Despite him being a much better player than Ezekiel at this point in his career, my argument is simple. Why would you take Elliott? Why would you take Chubb? Why would you take these other dead zone caliber type of running backs when guys like Keenan Allen, Michael Pittman, T. Higgins, DJ Moore, Kyle Pitts, Josh Allen, etc., all go in this range where they have not only the potential to pay off at their ADP, but potential to be league winners at their ADP. Don't pick Nick Chubb. Don't pick Ezekiel Elliott. Also, don't pick this running back going early in your drafts with Aaron Jones from the Green Bay Packers. RB 10, 16th overall ADP. He's a guy that I have ranked as my RB 13, 28th overall player. And with Aaron Jones, I mean, the, the peripherals are pretty simple. He's insulated to a good offense and he's still a good player. It's just his 16th overall ADP, in my opinion, that is rather insane. The worry that I have for a guy like Aaron Jones this season is that with the emergence of A.J. Dillon last year. We saw Jones' usage go down tremendously. He was at 15.73 opportunities per game last year once A.J. Dillon emerged in this offense week four on. Compared to the 19 and 18.9 opportunities per game, respectively, that he saw in 2019 and 2020, while also losing a ton of valuable goal line touches that propped up his value when he was that league winning caliber player in 2019 and 20. You guys can see the comparison between red zone opportunity with AJ Dillon and Aaron Jones last year. AJ Dillon actually handled more inside the 20 work and inside the five work than Aaron Jones did. Compared to his 2019 year, we had 23 inside the five carries and 44 touches in the red zone. While many, you know, Jones supporters will point to the fact that, oh, well, Devontae Adams out of town, Aaron Jones should see a huge increase in targets due to the vacated targets in Green Bay. A good friend of ours, Wiser Fantasy, actually detailed this recently on a TikTok, but there is minimal correlation pointing towards expected points from a running back room on vacated targets from the year prior. So while he may see an increase in targets due to the familiarity he has with Aaron Rodgers, I believe at best it results in a net neutral given the amount of work that A.J. Dillon is stealing from him on the goal line. So with Aaron Jones, he's a limited ceiling pick In round two, when, as we mentioned, if we're taking a round two running back, we're not just taking him for the safety that he could potentially be in the top 12. I think there's probably a good chance that if Aaron Jones stays healthy, he's probably going to be a top 12, 13, 14 overall running back. I just don't see that RB3, RB4 overall ceiling. The number of wide receiver talent going in the range that Aaron Jones is currently going. You know, guys like CeeDee Lamb, T. Higgins, um, Mike Evans, Debo Samuel. AJ Brown guys like that going in the area that Aaron Jones is you're taking a safe running back over again a receiver that has a legitimate case to push that 20 plus point per game ceiling so I don't mind Aaron Jones if he was a third round pick I'd be more fine with him given the fact that I do expect him to be a solid running back this year but going in the second round area going around that elite wide receiver talent maybe even you know a guy like Travis Kelsey or Mark Andrews as well I am full fading Jones at that cost but But either way, hope you guys enjoyed. Time is running out to get your shot of the $10 million in total prizes in Best Ball Mania 3. Imagine winning $2 million in that contest for coming in first, $1 million to second, and $1 million to the highest regular season score. Take your fantasy knowledge into action by using code FSC at sign up and first deposit for 100% matchback up to $100. If you put $100 on Underdog Fantasy, that's $200 on the site or eight bullets in the chamber to potentially win $2 million. And as a thank you for using code FSC, you get access to our redraft and dynasty rankings for free. If our Draft Ready sheet you can bring right to your draft. Check it out if that interests you. Also check out the Patreon if you want to support the show. Peace out guys. Football season is back this week. Let's enjoy it. Take care.